All right, welcome to the podcast, um, week two of the NBA. This is Basket Boys. Um, we're on iTunes now. We're on Stitcher. Uh, we, we're official. Um, so if you're joining us from one of those two um, services, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, hopefully we can actually entertain you with our lack of basketball knowledge, um, our hot takes, and our biases toward our own teams. And uh, if you were listening on SoundCloud before and you normally listen on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever, go and download or subscribe or leave us a five-star rating. Yeah, hopefully. I, you know, I'm not sure exactly how the podcast is. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. I don't know if those feeds go directly into um, like Android app or Android, podca- Android podcast apps. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but you know. Um, if you happen to have an Android device, you can always download the Stitcher, um, the Stitcher app and find us there now too. So you don't have to go through SoundCloud if you don't want to, but either way, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, it's actually been a pretty, I don't know, it's been a pretty good season so far, I think. I mean, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of exciting games, a lot of promising performances. You know, there aren't that many notable players that I'm, that I can think of that have had, poor start to the season there have been a lot of guys who've kind of exceeded expectations and performed better than you would have expected which i think is generally more fun than being uh depressed about people not playing as well yeah yeah um everyone i mean i feel like everything's kind of gone the way people expected it but but there have been a few surprises you know guys like Kawhi coming in and and with a MVP caliber performances night after night continuously, which has been, which has been nice because everyone has wanted to, I think, I think a lot of people wanted him, wanted to call him an MVP, but really it's just that he he tended to have lower scoring numbers than other MVP candidates. And that really kind of hampered his MVP case. And and he's, he's come out this season and shown that he can carry a team offensively and defensively, which is, which has been nice to watch. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's been a, a surprise. I mean, I, I think people, you know, knew he was good, but just coming out with that like two-way play at that high of a level is um, a little surprising, and definitely puts him in that conversation. I think one one of the biggest surprises for me has been the Bulls. I thought they were going to be terrible. Yeah, what Dwayne Wade is shooting like sixty-five percent for threes or something like that. Yeah, I mean, five for five a couple nights ago. That's not sustainable, but like he's actually taking threes, which right, and he's and he's he's and it, his shot looks good too. So it, like. He's going to drop off. You know, he's not going to shoot 65% for the season. That'd be insane. Yeah. But I could easily see him. But he could, he'll part him, and presumably he'll still keep taking them. I think, I mean, there was probably at least some conversation with him and Fred Hoiberg where, you know, Fred told him, it's like, hey, you know, we're starting Rajon Rondo and, you know, Taj Gibson, who's a non-three-point shooter. So we really need you to be sh- shooting threes so you can, you know, space the floor out. And Dwayne was willing to take on that role and is, you know, I, and, and I think he, he was – it's not like he was never able to hit threes. It's just he was never that good of a shooter to where that's a shot that he was looking to take. He was always wanting to either pull up from mid-range or, you know, get into the paint. And so now that he's in a different phase of his career, I think he's realized that a three-point shot is kind of essential to him adapting his game um, for his kind of twilight years. Um, LeBron passed Hakeem. Yep. Um, now uh, I saw a stat on Twitter or Reddit or something. I can't remember where I saw it, but basically that he's, he's the only player ever to be in top 10 in points and top 20 in assists. Um, so it's likely, I mean, it's, that's a pretty big milestone milestone to break getting in the top 10 all time scoring list. Um, yeah. I mean, we, 
I feel like most people probably probably expect him to end up around and end up in the top five by the time his career is over. Yeah. Whether that's the, you know, the two or three or it's the uh, four or five. Yeah. Um, He's certainly on track to get there. He's, you know, this was the season where I was kind of expecting him to regress a little bit. Um, You know, he's coming off a championship year. He doesn't really have anything to prove anymore. Um, you, you, I was kind of expecting him to just take a lot more nights off, um, not try as hard on defense and just kind of like basically just, you know, play until he got to the playoffs and then turn it on there. But he hasn't been doing that really. You know, he's yeah. been playing like he normally does, which is, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I can't say I'm, I can't like say I'm that surprised, but um, I, I could easily, what, who's, who's next on that list? I don't even know. At nine, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, Shaq is seven. That's all I, I Shaq remember is seeing. A seven. I think Dirk is up to six now. Okay, I think. Well, he's not going to pass Dirk until Dirk retires. So yeah, most likely. Uh, I think I haven't looked at the list recently, but I think the getting to Jordan. I think Jordan's at three, mm-hmm. and I think that's definitely doable for him in a in a couple more years. Um, but like that, Carl Malone number two, and then Kareem at one. Um, those are a little bit more of a jump in May. I mean, I think he could get there if he plays, you know, until he's 38, 39. Yeah, basically does the same be... thing Kareem did, where he yeah. just plays a solid... T- I mean, he's, he's been an Ironman his entire career, so if he if he plays 20 seasons like Kareem did, he has yeah. a chance. Yeah, because... Uh, it's going to be really difficult to beat it, because that, that, I mean, that scoring is that scoring title is pretty difficult to, to take, but... Yeah, but I mean, happen. even if he's just scoring, you know, 20, 21 points a game for the remainder of his career, which I think is doable for him... Um, assuming he stays healthy, then I think it, I, he can get, get there. And so he, I mean, he could very well end, you know, top three in scoring all time and like at least top 10 in assists, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. There's no one else in the, I mean, obviously there's no one else's top 10, top 20. So being top, top 10 or top five, top 10 is something that no one else will ever do. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, and he may be, you know, top 20 rebounds, top 20 steals too. Yeah. I we'll mean, see. if maybe you could, you could put Russ in that conversation if Russ had had a quicker start to his career, but it yeah. took a while for him to take off. And I don't think, I think those first five years in the league where he wasn't really averaging that many points per game or even close to that many assists per game, he's not going to really be able to get there. Yeah. I, it's kind of hard to see. I mean, it just depends on how his career shapes out too. It's just, it's a little bit harder to see him adapting that kind of production and scaling it to, you know, a sustainable level to get to those all-time lists like you could with LeBron. Yeah, and there really isn't any other kind of player like LeBron. I mean, uh, the closest player that was like him was Jordan, and Jordan was you know smaller than him. And um, I don't, I can't think of any other player that that had the same, has a similar skill set to LeBron, where yeah. he he can play big, he can play small, he can he can facilitate the ball, and he can also just score at will. Yeah, there aren't too many players that can do that. And I think even more impressive maybe is that he's there's a good chance he ends his career as by far the leader in several categories for playoff statistics. Like he'll, I think he'll for sure be the lead points leader and probably assists, probably steals. Um, maybe not rebounds. I think Tim Duncan's got a pretty big lead on him uh, as the all time leader in re- rebounds and playoff games. But I mean, he's just played so many playoff games and the way the Cavs look right now, they're going to be going deep in the playoffs for the foreseeable future. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think he could, I think he'll be miles ahead of people with those numbers. And when you're talking about the all-time great players, as far as, you know, wh- what did they produce in their career as a whole, once LeBron's done, I think it's going to be pretty hard to put that many guys ahead of him. Right, yeah. 
Um, moving on, I guess we can talk about the Lakers and the Warriors game. I actually watched that game live. I actually watched. I watched a couple games, a couple Warriors games this week because they had they had the Golden State uh, OKC game in the Bay, and then they they went down to LA and played the Lakers uh, on Saturday night. Um, their defense has been weird. Um, typically, the Warriors half court defense has been the best part one of the best parts of their game obviously they had Steph Curry who can just light it up on you and, and Clay Thompson as well but one of the reasons why they did so well and they had such massive point differentials in in their games was because that their defense their half court defense was so effective and it's just not been there and and it's kind of been expected because you know Kevin Durant for entire, most of his career has been uh has been criticized for being kind of lazy on defense yeah like he's um, effective whenever he you know really tries like you saw, we saw in the playoffs last year but yeah he definitely takes possessions off in the regular season for sure yeah and it's going to be interesting to see if if like draymond in, ends up you know getting fired up at at kd for defensive lapses i mean I, the, watching the warrior the um the lakers warriors game there were a lot of times where where people just back cut on kd and yeah kd had no idea was coming and then they they score an easy bucket their interior defense it seems like their defensive rotations quite aren't there no yeah. one's coming over to help at the right time and um, they're, they're letting up they're letting wide open like people just cutting directly to the lane nobody nobody going with that guy yeah and it's um it's early i don't know if it's going to be a serious situation but i mean what do you think you think it could possibly be an actual I actual mean, problem in there i think it'll game? shape up by the time they get to the playoffs, but it's like it's totally reasonable that they would kind of come into the season a little sluggish on defense because they're coming off their second year in a row of going to the finals. So everybody's you know might be a little worn out, and and Draymond and Clay and KD all played in the Olympics. Um, but even that, it's you've got two new starters in the lineup. You got KD who's still getting integrated into their defensive schemes and does take off plays you know from time to time, and then you're replacing. Andrew Bogut, who's a great rim protector, a pretty good pick and roll defender, and a guy who had been in the system the past few years and knew what to do and where to be with Zaza, who, you know, is not nearly as good of a rim protector, is not very quick on his feet. And so there's just going to be a lot of times for that rotation that maybe Bogut would have gotten there and gotten a piece of the shot or managed to, um, you know, scare off someone penetrating the lane where Zaza is just not going to do that. People will go at him all night driving in the links he's not that much of a threat there so i think that that's a big part of it um and then you know i think iguodala is maybe taking a slight step back he looks like he's not quite as quick and explosive as he used to be mm-hmm. um and so i think that kind of you know iguodala was their main stopper guy that they would put on um you know the best opposing player on the other team and so He's playing, I think, I think slightly fewer minutes than he was in the past, although he's still got a pretty big role. But I think him taking a, a slight step back athletically, you know, where he's a, just a good defender rather than one of the best defenders in the league, I think that kind of, you know, hurts their def- defense as a whole too. Yeah, they're probably going to end up putting Clay Thompson on the the opposing team's best player, depending on what kind of player that is. If they're a guard or you know maybe even a small forward, they probably put him on there. It's going to depend. I mean, you know, guys like. Um, guys like Blake Griffin, uh, LeBron, they'll probably put Draymond on those guys. Yeah. Um, because that seems to make the most sense. But guys like uh, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, um, you know, some of the, the best guards, James Harden, they're gonna probably end up putting yeah Clay Thompson on that guy and, and and having Clay Thompson go out there and and get that defensive assignment. Yeah, he was guarding Westbrook on a lot of possessions whenever mm-hmm. they played the Thunder, and you know I thought played pretty well on him. 
you know, yeah. Westbrook had a fairly quiet game. I did actually not even watch that entire game. I watched the first half and then I ended up going to bed because it was, uh, you know, it was on the West Coast and we're here in yeah. Central Time. So and it wasn't particularly close halftime. No, no, that second quarter was pretty much uh, the whole reason they lost that game. Yeah, uh, they ended up coming back and playing pretty decent basketball in the third and fourth quarter, but because of they, you know, they end up losing that quarter eleven to thirty-seven or something like that. So uh, that's kind of a deficit. It's really difficult to. Yeah, I mean, it's whenever, yeah, like the, that. That's where you see the big strength of the Warriors. It's like on some nights they seem like kind of an, a normal team because you know if if Katie's kind of shooting at his average level and not like breathing hot fire KD and then Steph and Clay are kind of just okay or I mean Clay started actually especially poor to start the season yeah and then that Lakers standards. that game they played against the Lakers they ended up yeah. going like uh five and 35 or something like that from three yeah and so if their offense is kind of just you know mediocre when they start off and their defense has kind of taken a step back they kind of look like a regular team that can be beat um which is why they've lost twice already but you know when you come out against the Thunder they were aggressive they wanted to win that game and KD you know was trying to make a statement and then you combine that with the fact that you have that many talented guys where you can stagger their minutes you can take KD out of the game for a little bit and you still got Steph and Clay just lighting things up and then you can bring KD to come and face the Thunder bench without Westbrook where they have just no chance against him no and there's no way that they can match points with him because the shooting isn't really there and outside of Westbrook there's just not a whole lot of shot creation. There's no, yeah, there's no consistent scoring from from either from from the Thunder bench or the Thunder second unit without Westbrook at all. So yeah, um, though in that first quarter you could see a lot of the of the Warriors' defensive lapses uh, getting you know allowing allowing the Thunder to score 31 points or 30 31 I think is what they scored in the first half of the first yeah. quarter. Um, you you know Stephen Adams was getting really good good looks at the rim and you know yeah. he was spinning around on Zaza Zaza wasn't really able to keep him under control kind of what you like what you were saying you know if that was bogut they probably wouldn't have had that issue but because they have zaza um they're gonna have more issues with even like semi-talented big guys yeah um, guys like Cantor, guys like uh um i mean even deandre even though he doesn't post up very much he's, yeah uh, yeah because zaza's a good he's a good rebounder and he can with your smaller bigs he can kind of box them out and get position and um at, at least you know not not give up offensive rebounds and but like against guys like Steven Adams and Cantor, he had a ton of trouble with them when he was at the Mavs last year. Um, guys like DeMarcus Cousins, just those big, strong guys who just like, you know, can out jump him or quicker than him and, you know, are aggressive at going after the class and attacking the rim. Like he just really struggles with those kind of guys. Yep. And they don't really have a guy that, that can counter that because David West, while he's, you know, a tough defender, like he's smaller than Zaza. And so, I mean, he's not going to have a whole lot for a guy as big as Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. Did you watch any other games this week? I watched a few. I'm trying to think of... I mean, I watched the, the Mavs. Um, the game against the Jazz was very depressing. Uh, yeah. And the, yeah, the Spurs turned around to the exact same thing to the Jazz. Yeah. It's just... I mean, the Jazz... It, it, the most frustrating thing was not that, like, the Jazz just beat them because, like, the Jazz are a good team. It's You're fine losing to a good team, but... Like, the Jazz started the game off so poorly. Like, they returned the ball over. They didn't shoot it that well. And the Mavs couldn't capitalize at all because they could not score. Like Because I think the Mavs are going to have a really tough time against those really good defensive teams. Yeah. Like, the Jazz and the Spurs and, you know, even the Cavs whenever they hop over and, and play in the East. I'm trying to think of some other 
good defensive teams in the in the West. I mean, obviously, Clippers, the, yeah, obviously the, the the Warriors, but I think they're going to have bigger issues than just the defense. Yeah, um, it's just, but I think those are going to be their toughest tests. Like game three, you expect them to win. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they beat if they beat the Thunder. Like they they win the uh, the win the season series against the Thunder just because the Thunder's defense isn't great. Like they don't really have much of an answer for um, for Dirk. Um, if Dirk is healthy and just gets out there and plays like Dirk, like I don't think the Thunder have a real answer to him. Um, but the teams that have really good defense, the, the I think the Mavs are going to struggle. Yeah, against them. especially like um, the teams that have really good like guard defensor, de- defenders. That makes the Mavs look especially bad because one of the ways that the Mavs are able to score is when the guard, when Darren Williams and JJ are kind of given the breathing room to pull up and hit jump shots and that um doesn't really happen against like so for against the jazz for example i mean they're starting george hill and rodney hood who are both really long really big and quick guard defenders who just envelop those guys and they can't really get that many good looks but i mean you look at the blazers game where it was it was actually pretty competitive for most of the game because berea and williams were able to get those open shots because lillard and mccollum aren't quite that on that level defensively mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was a very winnable game um, that they just lost because Damian Lillard was on fire. But yeah, you know that you can live with a little bit more when the you know there looks like there's some life in the offense and they actually played pretty well in defense. They just you know whenever Lillard's just hitting those like super deep threes off the dribble, like there's not a whole lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Demar Derozan has kept his hot streak up. He's yeah. continuing to. He's the first player ever. Is that right? To score 30 or more points in his first five games? Yes. Okay. Um, he's averaging 35.8 for the season. Uh, he's just been lighting it up. And yeah. it's all mid-range shots. Without shooting threes. No. He's what? Let me see. Let me look. His three-point percentage is 12.5. And that's probably on, like, you know, not that many attempts. Like, he's just... But his, but in his in his field goal, he's, he's still an effective field goal percentage of 55.5 with that poor of a field goal, like a three-point percentage, yeah. which is... Cause he's just, yeah, he's, he's not missing else. his twos. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's only shooting a combined 55 from the field. And so that you, when you include those, those 12, those three point shots that he has, I don't know exactly how many three point shots he's taken so far this season. I can't imagine he's taken too many. Um, he takes 1.6 a game at this point, which I, I'm on basketball reference right now. I don't have, um, I don't have the actual numbers he's taken, but he shoot, he makes about, uh, point uh, two three point shots a game yeah i mean that's he's basically like you know people were criticizing the raptors for giving him that much money in the offseason i think what like 120 million dollars or something yeah, like, something that. like that. um because you know he's got those limitations he's got those big holes in his game but like he came out and basically is playing like you know pete kobe out there exactly yeah i mean did you hear him uh i think saturday night when he was playing no, it was Friday night. I think they were playing Friday night. He uh, had a he had a turnaround jumper um, in the in the corner. Some guy kind of got him to pull pick up his dribble, and then he had to like just squirm around and spin around and take a like a step back spin around jumper. And then he yelled Kobe as he did it and nailed it, <laughs> and he hit it. And uh, I mean that that kind of sums up how his season's been going so far. Yeah, where he I just mean... can't miss. And I, I don't expect it to stay that way. But honestly, it seems like the way he's playing, it's mostly sustainable. Yeah, like it's he's gonna have tougher obviously against those guys those really good defensive teams when he ever has like a a really tough like defensive matchup if you know he gets like a Paul George 
or uh, you know Kawhi Leonard guarding him or something like that, he's going to have a tough time scoring like that. But I mean, against against most of the teams, I feel like he's he, he can easily score 20, 26, 27 points a game this season if he if he has, even if it's a drop off and he starts averaging closer to like twenty five points a game. It yeah. Seems like it's mostly sustainable. Yeah, I, I think you know how it's hard to say how sustainable will be in the playoffs just because defense kind of settle in a little bit more it's hard to get those shots to fall but um it'll really depend on their matchup last year he struggled a lot especially against like indiana with paul george guarding him like that's just really tough for him against those long quick defenders but you know if if they have the right matchup maybe you can get it done although i guess in the east most of those teams that are kind of up at the top that they're going to be facing especially in the second or you know conference finals are going to have a defender that they can throw at him that he might have trouble with whether it's paul george or uh, avery bradley or uh, michael k gilchrist like i mean yeah and last year they had they had a they had peak kyle lowry and kyle lowry has regressed a little bit so far this season yeah um i don't expect him to stay at that level, but I also don't expect him to play the same way he did last year. Yeah. I mean, I think he's his usage, I think, is down a little bit. He's not taking quite as many shots. He's deferring a little bit to DeRozan. He's trying to get um, Valanchunas a little bit more involved than he has been in past seasons. So hopefully, you know, he's just kind of trying to dial back the, the amount that his team relies on him and is trying to keep everybody else involved and then kind of you know, whenever they get to the playoffs or when there's a big game, he can step it up to that level before and, you know, doesn't have to completely exhaust himself. Well, I kind of hope he steps it up sooner than that because he's on my fantasy team and he hasn't been great so far. Yeah. He hasn't, he has, I mean, he had, he took seven field goals. He had seven field goal uh, attempts on, uh, on Friday night, whenever DeRozan had his, you know, fifth game. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, so far this season, like it feels like the the top two teams are still going to be the Cavs and the Raptors. I mean, a lot of people in the in the off season were expecting the um, with the addition of Al Horford, expecting the Celtics to take a take a big jump and get into that conversation of being, you know, even possibly getting the the number one um, number one record, number one seed, yeah, in the East. Um, but uh, it looks like so far the Raptors and the Cavs have kind of spoiled those hopes. Yeah, I mean the the, I think the Celtics are in, so. three and two right now. Um, yeah, uh, Raptors I think are four and one. Yeah, and the uh, Cavs are five though. So yeah, it, it might take a few more games for you to see. But the Celtics have looked, you know, they've had some injuries, but I think you know when they've had their guys, they've they've looked pretty good. I mean Avery Bradley's been phenomenal this year, um, and you know Forford he's had a concussion, so hopefully he can come back from that quickly and and play pretty well. But I mean, I think the Celtics are going to be up there too. They they just look good. They're so well coached. They their offense is just flows so well, and they're a great defensive team. So I would expect them to be in that top tier whenever the season ends. Um, Detroit has managed to stay, you know, with their heads above water. Drummond has been playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't seen his three point or uh, free throw percentage. I'm sure it's still bad, um, but he seems to be playing well and. Hopefully he can sustain that until Roger Jackson gets back and maybe yeah. they take a leap. Who knows? Yeah, they've just managed to cobble together enough offense between, you know, Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris and KCP. Just those guys, just if as long as, you know, two of them are shooting reasonably well on a given night and Drummond's doing his thing, then they have a chance. Who's their who's their point guard right now? Ish Smith. Ish Smith. Who's their backup? Didn't they pick up somebody from They the, got uh... Bino Udrick. Right, right, right. Who uh did anyone sign um Chalmers 
I think he's still out there. Okay. Because okay. he's... For some reason, I thought... I don't think he's good to play yet. No, he tore his Achilles last year, right? Or ACL, I think. But ACL? Okay. Yeah. But it was kind of middle of the season last year, so... Yeah. He may be a while before... I, he, he may be able, to be able to find a spot on the roster once he's, like, you know, 100%, but I don't know. Honestly, I haven't yet. watched too many, too many games in the East, um, really. I mean, I haven't even watched that many Thunder games either, because since I don't have cable anymore, I don't get the local broadcast, and so if I want to watch, I have to find a stream. Uh, and typically those streams are pretty, they're not very great. So, um, but hopefully I can find some more time this week to watch a few games in the East. It should be a little easier since they're on the East Coast and they start yeah. a little earlier. That's, that's, I tend to watch a lot more East Coast games anyway, just because that, that sweet spot of starting at six or seven o'clock, just it's much easier whenever you're working a nine to five job on a non Pacific time to, yeah, to staying up late for those West Coast games can, yeah, exactly. That's why I didn't watch. I mean, I watched the like we watched the Lakers Warriors because it was Saturday night, um, but the on um, you know Wednesday night when they played, I think Thursday night. Um, no. Um, any any other no- anything other notable that happened this week? I mean, I probably the team I've watched in the East the most is the Sixers. Oh yeah, Joel Embiid's been Joel Embiid. fantastic. Yeah, his you see his line last night. He, had, he had four threes. He had tw- twenty two points, four threes, four blocks. Yeah good percentages on like, like 22 23 minutes something like that yeah 25 minutes yeah yeah like so he's... i mean hopefully it looks like they're they're starting to extend his minutes a lot so you know he yeah. started the first game i think he only played 15 minutes and they kind of continued that trend and yeah i think 25 is kind of 20, 25 hopefully i mean if things continue to go well it depends on how how careful they're going to be um if they just want to you know kind of max him at 25 points or sorry 25 uh, yeah. minutes a game for the whole season or maybe they maybe they up him closer to 30 you know the yeah. further in the season we get i guess it's just going to depend yeah, it really depends on like you know if they feel like they need to play him more minutes to, for him to develop. Um, because they, I mean, they have other good options. Once Noel is back, they have Okafor and Noel who are both still pretty good yeah. centers. So like they they have guys who can play when Embiid's not on the floor. So I I, I don't see them extending his minutes past the twenty five to twenty seven mark just because they don't really need to, and there's no reason to risk it. And he's still you know getting plenty of reps. But it, I mean, they're still bad. They're zero and six, but. They they made that game they against lost, the Cavs close. They lost by one point, and they look like a real basketball team now. It's you know having Sergio Rodriguez playing point guard instead of you know TJ McConnell still on the teams. You know I think he's a good backup in the NBA, but like just you know when you're taking a guy who was undrafted and then making him your starting point guard, um, he was a little overmatched last year in that role. And I mean Ish Smith, who's you know a career backup improve them that much last year and i think serge rodriguez like he's looked really good as a distributor he's just a really smart player and having a guy who can you can trust to handle the ball and set up you know the other guys in your starting lineup like i think i think they could end up you know i think they've started off poorly at least record wise but i think they could end up being significantly better than they were last year i could easily see seeing them double their win total but they do kind of need it they need to start winning a game they yeah. need to win a game and like and you think about it like they haven't even played like Embiid is surprised as far as how well he's played, but I mean Dario Saric has gotten to kind of a slow start. You expect that he'll you know, maybe play a little bit better as the season progresses. He gets acclimated. Robert Covington has been really good on the defensive end, but it's shot incredibly poorly to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so once his shot kind of returns a little bit, um, and he you know is hit, hitting more threes, I think he was like one for nine last night from three. Um, once that kind of comes back, you expect their offense to kind of flow a little bit better. Um, and then Ben Simmons could be coming back, yeah. you know, middle of the season. So I think even though he's a rookie, like he'll at least give them 
a dynamic offensive player that can help them, you know, at least win against. Yeah, the Sixers are actually watchable this year, which is nice. Yeah, and especially especially when Embiid's on the floor, like it's a little a little less bo- less watchable when he's not. But when yeah. he's on the floor, it's they're a fun team to watch. There, I mean, you saw that chase down block, uh, air quote block on uh, LeBron that he had last night. Um, it was actually goaltending, but um, the refs didn't call it. Yeah, it's a block. <laughs> um, so it went down as a block, but um, yeah, and he had a couple of good passes too, which I, you know, that was kind of the in the first few games that was the things that looked really good. He looked good with that turnaround jumper, scoring in the post, rebounding, blocking shots, and then he just, you know, the passing part hasn't really like completely gotten there yet, which you would expect from a guy who hasn't played basketball in two years and really doesn't have that many basketball games total under his belt in his life. Um, you know, passing is one of those next level skills that comes later in your career. But he, he had a couple nice passes last night where he, you know, like he had a real quick pass for Sarich on a cut that, you know, was a quick decision. He was, you know, had the vision on the floor to see that cutter coming when the pass was coming to him to immediately make that pass. And so having that kind of vision, you know, that's a pretty basic basketball play, but like the fact that he's got his eyes watching the other players in the court and then he sees those passes are there and he can do that on a consistent basis. Like he could be a really dangerous offensive player. Yeah. And the fact that his shot is developed. I mean, he's had a long time. He's had a lot of time in the offseason. It's one of those things he focused on a lot. Um, when he was injured was working on his jump shot and it seems to have worked now, you know, I mean, obviously once the, once the Sixers become an actual team, you know, a contending team, it's, you're not, you're probably not going to see that many threes from him, but right now it's, it's, uh, it's encouraging to see him taking open three point shots and them going in, because that means that if, if they need to, they can use that as part of an, as part of an offense to stretch the floor. And, you know, so like, you know, you can't just leave Embiid wide open on the three point line. Cause he can't hit a three. Yeah. Kind of the same way that Carl Anthony Towns can do it. Once he proves that, that he like, if he's hitting that trailer top of the key three consistently, like if his man has to come out of the paint to come guard that, like against a lot of centers, he can just blow right by them off the dribble and finish the rim. Or that opens up the lane for, you know, a cutter or someone to come in and he can maybe make that pass once he, you know, has the experience to where he can has the feel to do that but i mean his yeah his feel for the game just for somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience is is really promising yeah yep um what else has happened this week the bucks have been better than expected with middleton yeah. out i mean i saw a stat at the bucks that uh Giannis is leading them in every major category yeah they're top five in offense right now that's crazy. I mean, they beat the they they blew out the the uh, the Kings by what twenty six yeah like twenty six last night. I mean, the Kings aren't great, but like you know, they weren't blowing out anybody last season. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it and helped Demarcus that, Cousins had a real bad game. Yeah, and it, it also so that helped that Mirza Toledovich hit seven threes. But yeah, that, that I mean, he that can just, shoot threes. Though. That's kind but of but yeah, that's like margin of victory. But like you know, if he's hitting three threes, then that's that's still helping him. Yeah. They look, they look uh, promising. Um, I think Chris Middleton's injury is still going to pretty much keep them out of the playoffs. But I mean, they can still get there. Like if another, maybe, yeah. if enough other teams struggle, like though the, most of the teams that people expect have been doing well have actually been doing well. I mean, yeah. uh, the Hornets are four and one right now. The uh, the um, the East is really close right now. I think there's yeah. seven teams in the East that are over five hundred. The last time I looked, and there's only like four in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the East, I don't know, maybe the East is going to start in transitioning to be that powerhouse. Now, I mean, now that you've got, now that you have like, what, three, 
four of the top 15 guys in the league on the same team, like, I mean, you're starting to make it to where these, there, there isn't a, you know, a, uh, an overabundance yeah, of talent. You don't have like four or five, teams. like really powerhouse teams in the West yeah, anymore. I mean, like, like, like three years ago, you had the Blazers, the Clippers, the Warriors, the, uh, the Thunder, the Spurs, the, yeah. the Mavs, Mavs and the Rockets. Yeah. When they were actually pretty good and so many good teams. I mean, really on the, the bottom of the barrel, you're talking about the Pelicans, the Jazz, the, um, the Nuggets and the, uh, T-Wolves, the historical. T-Wolves and, you know, th- those, those kinds of teams. Uh, the Suns, obviously, and then now it seems like now that KD went from the Thunder to the Warriors, you're really—I mean, you're, your best teams in the West. You're looking at the yeah. the Warriors, the Clippers, um, the Spurs, and the rest of them. Just you know, like yeah. the Thunder have had a really good you know start to their season, but the first three teams they played were the Sixers, Suns, um, yeah. Lakers. So like, you really can't put too much stock in that. And so, um, I mean, it just seems like there's really only three good, yeah. like legitimately good teams in the in the West right now, and then there's a bunch of teams that are still trying to prove what they can do. Yeah, it's the whereas in the East, it seems like everyone is everyone's performing either better than people expected them to perform or about where people expected them to perform. Yeah, because the West are kind of like concentrated toward the top teams, with you know Aldridge going to the Spurs and then Katie going to the Warriors. So that a lot of the talent is like concentrated in the top three teams as far as like top players. And then so you have basically a big block of teams in the middle in the West that are like you range from being like pretty good to like, okay, like it's there's not a hundred like I don't know if there's going to be any teams in the West that are just going to be horrendous this year. Like the Mavs have started on five, but you think that they're not going to be that bad all year. And then. I mean, the Pelicans have also started poorly. But. Yeah, I mean, I can I expect the Pelicans to be pretty bad unless I mean unless Drew, Drew Holiday comes back um, and just completely turns around. But in which you could I mean that, that could happen because there's a, yeah, there's a scenario like when Holiday comes back. Tyree, uh, is Tyreek Evans out still? He's out, and I don't know you know how much they're planning on using him once he comes back. But I mean, if he does, that's just another you know NBA player that they have, which they're a little low on right now. But you know, I, I think. Yeah, that, and if Solomon Hill can kind of play a little bit better, then maybe they can get up to a level where they're not, like, horrendous. They have Anthony Davis. Like, with Anthony Davis on your team, you're not going to be, like, Sixers level the past few years. Like, it's... Right. I mean, no team's going to be that bad. That That's... Yeah, that's, that's not happening in this season, I don't think. No. Um, and even the Lakers, who, you know, people have pegged as one of the worst teams in the league, but they've looked good. Like, they... They have a good they coach now. Good. They have young, talented players, and they play their asses off every night. So, they love basketball. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. They're, that now they metal uh, piece. Well, metal piece did it. Now that's their like chant that they do whenever they break huddles. They go one, two, three. I love basketball. They look like they're having fun out there, which is like the exact opposite of I mean, everybody of, last year on that team. Bunch, well, yeah. Now they have Kobe. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Kobe was not good for that. Yeah. Team. And Byron Scott was just like miserable as a coach. Like nobody seemed to enjoy playing for him except for Kobe because Kobe got to do whatever. Co- take Kobe his got shots. to Kobe. Yeah. And now Luke Walton has an offense. Uh, Derek like, Black's looked good. So is, I mean, everyone on that team has looked very. Larry good. Larry Nance looked good. Julius Randle looks like Julius Randle looks, looks like good. the next like like I don't know. He just looks really good. Yeah, like he he's making plays. You know, like a, a lot of people were down on him going into the year just because he's like, uh, I mean, he can rebound okay, but he can't doesn't shoot threes. He doesn't defend. But like you know, he's he handles the ball really well as a four. He's just super aggressive. He you know crashes the boards and can handle and transition like i think he's going to have enough skills to where he's going to be an impact player and d'angelo also starting to look like a top tier guard yeah. top tier point guard in, in a league that is stacked with point guards he's starting yeah. to look like he's in that conversation of being 
um, possibly in the next few years being in the top five point yeah. guards. And, and we, even when saying that right now is a lot because yeah. you've got guys like Steph, Russell, Dame, all those guys. But he, yeah, he looks great. And then even like Nick Young, who basically people consider dead money on that roster, is doing he's, Nick Young he's, things. He's shooting 500. He seems to like actually be focusing on defense and not making too many Nick Young plays. Yeah. Which has been good. But like, I mean, that speaks to the value of having a coach who like people want to play for and can get yes. the best out of his players. Like, you know, and Byron Scott just killed everybody's spirit. Yeah. And the fact that he's so fresh, like he's not that far removed from the league. What, four years ago, five yeah. years ago, he was a player so on the Lakers. To the players, but like, and he's learned from Steve Kerr who, you know, like you see what he did with a guy like Maurice Spates who kind of like bounced around the league as, a, you know, a guy that people thought was like kind of a gunner and didn't really take things seriously. And he embraced the things he did well and just told him, Hey, you know, just go out there and get buckets. And so whenever you embrace your players for the skills that they have and tell them to do the things they do, then they go out and do them and your team looks a lot better. Yeah. And he's just another part of that Phil Jackson dynasty of, you know, players turning into coaches, taking, you know, mediocre teams, making them great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're gonna be fun to watch. You know, I was kind of excited for them going into the, into the, uh, into the year they've seemed to um live up to my expectations uh the knicks have not i'm not gonna watch them anymore i mean they had a good game against the bulls that was fun you know joakim joakim no and derrick rose and had fun that game and derrick rose had a bad game but like the rest of the team had a had a good game but yeah other than that they don't that that joakim noah like jump shot vine <laughs> just crushed my soul <laughs> yeah not great i mean why you could call you that a jump shot, shot. <laughs> i mean why don't you take that shot like he, he was could, open. It does like every other team, every other play in the league. If you're open, you take the shot. If you're joking, Noah, you don't take the shot if you're open because you're not going to hit it unless you're right at the rim. Yeah, he's though he had. I mean, when he played th- that Bulls game, he actually played really well. He ended up having like 14, yeah. 15 points and like ten rebounds, and I mean, six assists, or something. Like that. I mean, Porzingis has been a little up and down. His shooting's been still a little inconsistent, kind of like it was his rookie year. But you just you you, you think watching it, it's just like how much better. Could Porzingis be set up to succeed with some different players around him? And just watching Derrick Rose play is not fun anymore. Yeah, like he, he just does the same things he did five years ago, but he can't actually convert. Any yeah, of his plays. and like he's never been a guy who's been good at setting up his big guys to score. Like his favorite thing to do off a of pick and roll is either just like cream towards the rim and take a like circus shot, mm-hmm. or like throw a crazy overhead jump pass to the corner. Like. Yeah. He dribbles, but he's not he drives, gonna... and if he doesn't actually get an open lane to the rim, he just pulls up and, and just throws it at the at the basket. Yeah, and it's just not going to be good. It's not going to be good for Przingis's development, and I don't think it's going to help that team succeed at yeah. all. Because imagine if they had like, and I don't know who would have been a better option like in the free agent Rondo. Class. Like sure, Rondo's the worst, but like yeah. he can set up people to score. Yeah, I mean he can at least do that. He, I mean he would have been better than Derrick Rose or... because Derrick Rose. Is just another guy who needs the ball in his hands to score, and you already have Carmelo Anthony on your team doing that, and he's one of the you know he's one of the guys in the NBA that his entire offense is having the ball in his hands to score. Yeah, and putting a washed up Derrick Rose as your as your starting point guard is not going to get you anywhere, especially when you've got one of the best you know the top five uh, young guys in the league. What if they had just not traded for Derrick Rose? and then just thrown as much money as the Nets did of Jeremy Lin instead. I mean, I know he's kind of got some... Yeah, I think they... I Like, if they could have put their, their like, their baggage behind them, yeah. or, like, set it aside, yeah, I think that would have been a lot better. But I I don't think it would have worked out just because of all the, the yeah. problems with Jeremy Lin in the front office. Yeah, stuff, and so. I think him and Melo didn't really 
they did not mesh that well. Um, yeah. Or what if they was Sergio Rodriguez? I don't think I think he was just a straight up free agent signing. I don't think the Sixers had his rights or anything. They could have thrown money at him. Yeah, I'm trying to think of point guards that were on the market, both trade wise and free agent. There wasn't players. a ton like like the no. the market was admittedly pretty weak last summer, but like I don't know, like I mean Derrick Rose's star power. They're gonna can... sell tickets, but they're the Knicks. They're gonna sell tickets regardless. Yeah, I and the thing is, though, if they if they didn't trade for Derrick Rose, I'm not sure they would have gotten Joakim Noah. But like, did they really need Joakim Noah? Yeah, like, oh, I not mean, for he, that money. I mean, he's he's fine. Like, he's a guy you you would like having on your roster, but he's not like a centerpiece to your franchise's success. I mean, I'd rather have Jan Mahimi. There's a lot of guys I'd rather have than the two guys that they acquired in the offseason. Brandon, they got Brandon Jennings, right? Yeah, he was a good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, they got him maybe on they a flip, cheap maybe, deal. Maybe they run run him as a starting point guard yeah the thing is like, it, but I, mean, I mean and even jennings is still kind of like in a similar mold to rose where he's a score first point guard which is fine for your backup point guard but like whenever you have like a young developing big guy you, you gotta like either find touches for him or like a point guard to set him up you just gotta find a way to get him involved where he's not just taking forced to take bad shots yeah i think they were they were two or three years early on that big move. Like they should have made that big move in, in you know, in the 20, 2020 off season or something. Yeah. Which they, they were in an awkward spot to where they still had Melo on the team. And they're like, Oh, Porzingis, you know, is better than we expected. So let's try to like contend now. So let's make this trade for, for like, the, worst, the worst trade we can make. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the idea. Like they, they just, they, they, they committed a lot of money to make their team, be just as good as it was last year yeah like at least rose like they don't have to resign him next year like he is a free agent but like i mean and they didn't end up giving up that much they basically like swapped out like robin lopez for joaquin noah which is not a huge difference at this point um but i mean i I think i I don't know i like joaquin noah a little better but rob i don't know yeah i mean it's either way you're Robin Lopez can actually, like, he's actually got, like, a hook shot, can kind of score around the rim a little bit. I mean, Joe Kimdo can score on the pick and roll. Sometimes. Used to. Yeah, he did it against the Bulls. He's had a lot of two-point nights this season. Yeah, I mean, he's not great. Yeah, anymore. I mean, he's... But... I, I think part of it is just, like, whenever... There's just, like, so many good young centers in the league now. Um like you know the exciting guys like Embiid and Miles Turner and Carl Anthony Towns and then you just like whenever you're a fan of a team that's starting a Joakim Noah or Andrew Bogut like you feel like a little left out <laughs> I guess yeah I mean that's true I mean Bogut like I was kind except of... they could have a promising big guy if they just didn't have Joakim Noah starting and instead started Porzingis yeah Porzingis and gave him his you know touches he needs to develop yeah but I mean, I don't think who's the, who's their coach, Hornacek. Jeff Hornacek, yeah. yeah. I don't know. They're kind of in win now mode right now. I don't think I don't think we're gonna see any like the decisions we would make. I don't think we're gonna see those be made this year because they just traded for for Derek Chris. I mean, maybe it's an experiment, but like they just what committed seventy million over four years. For, yeah, and like for Joe Noah, I would rather than be making the moves that the Thunder made, where they're like investing in young guys who are in that mid tier area, where it's like we're gonna give you the big rookie contract, but you're still a young player who's gonna be good for the foreseeable future. I mean, right? Not guys who have been washed up for the past two years which i mean 
uh, Rose doesn't really have that much trade value, I don't think, at this point, and Noah probably not either, especially considering he's on a four-year contract. But, you know, not you ex- could still get something from Mello. Yeah, but you don't. I mean, what are you going to get out of Mello? Maybe some young guys? But then, like, that, at that point, you have to, like, you just commit. You just – it's just their move makes no sense. Like, what are they going to do? Like, what was their game plan here? It's like, let's trade for Derrick Rose and hope he somehow turns into 2011 Derrick Rose. Which, when we know he's not been that for the past three years. I don't know. I don't see anything good coming out of this. They're probably just going to end up not re-signing him after the offseason because they're going to have such a terrible season. And then they're going to have to bench Joakim Noah and start, like, being like, okay, well, let's go back to what we were already doing. Just, you know, doing what we can to win, but, you know, developing our young players. Yeah, I, think I mean, is there another point guard they could get that would be an upgrade over Derrick Rose next year? Who's going to be a free agent? I guess Drew Holiday, maybe? But even he's not that young. Like, he's kind of in his prime right now, so it doesn't really necessarily fit Porzingis' timeline. He's, I don't know. Um, All right. Well, um, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Yeah. I guess uh, we do a preview of tonight's games. Yeah, what have we got? We've got uh, the Jazz. The Jazz already played. They played the um, the Knicks. <laughs> Speak of the devil. Uh, they won. Um, it was a pretty, pretty close game. I mean... Oh, it was Gordon Hayward's first game back. Yeah, he played well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, 28 points, five five rebounds. Nice. Uh, George Hill. George Hill's looked really good so far this season. Yeah, he's been, been, like, been great. And in contrast to Jeff Teague, who's just been... I haven't actually good. watched too much Jeff Teague. He's been on my fantasy team, and he's shot the ball incredibly poorly. Speaking of Przingis, he had a good night. 28, 28 points, eight rebounds, one assist on 10 of 18 shooting. Pretty good. It's good. Um, Derek Rose had... Solid night. Eighteen point eight assists. Wow, not he's bad. Eighteen he, points. He's a point guard. Four four rebounds, eight assists on seven seven of fourteen shooting. I don't know. The Knicks looks pretty solid tonight, but I don't know. Maybe they'll turn it around. Who knows? But what else we got going on? We got Portland and Memphis playing right now. Um, uh, that's not a game I'm going to watch. Um, Sacramento, Toronto, Bucks, Mavs, Nuggets, Celtics. Suns, Lakers. I don't know if I'm gonna watch too many of these games. Maybe watch the Kings in Toronto because I've got Demarcus Cuts on my fantasy team. And see if Demar Derozan can keep it up. Um, yeah. Watch Giannis play the Mavs. That'll be fun to watch too. Um, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, not a super exciting slate, but I mean, Nuggets Celtics could be decent. Nuggets have been surprisingly good. I guess they're two and three, so not. Incredibly good, but Nurkic has been beasting it. Yeah, Nurkic. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, thanks for listening. Um, like we said, we're on Stitcher and iTunes now. So if you uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, you want to go uh, subscribe to our podcast. You can find us um, on iTunes. Just we're just Basket Boys. Um, you can find us on Stitcher under the same name. You can follow us on Twitter at at Basket Boys Pod. Um, you can follow me at, at Ann Hoyler and follow Daniel at Dnox5. On Twitter? Yeah. Uh, at Noxjet. Did you change it? Yeah, I changed it a while ago. Okay. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye.